Thank you for listening to this week's message from North Shore Christian Church. For more information about North Shore, please visit northshorechristian.org. In this space, we choose to proclaim your name. We choose to welcome you. And we choose to praise you. So, Lord, as we spend time with you, Lord, would you come? We welcome you in this place. We welcome you in our hearts as we pause, guided by a beautiful song that points totally and completely to you and the fulfillment, Lord, of what you said that you would do, that you would come that you would redeem all mankind. So Lord, with this heart, these hearts open to you, we thank you for being here with us. We do this, Lord, in your precious name. And we all said, amen. Good morning. You know, now I understand where Pat was a week ago, listening to that song and then attempting to speak and teach out of that. This is tough. But today, church, we are continuing our Advent journey, the story of the birth of Jesus through the lens of that beautiful song, O Holy Night. And today, we're going to be focusing on these words, a thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angel voices. Oh, night divine. Oh, night when Christ was born. Today, church, we are looking at hope. This song speaks of a thrill of hope. So what is hope? Our hope. Who is our hope? So let's follow where the song kind of guides us in this story today, but let's get some context for the moment, okay? We're going to start with this phrase the weary world rejoices. What exactly has made the world weary? Because weary is not a common word that we use today, and yet, Whenever it is spoken, we all know exactly what it means. For the world is weary. And even more specifically, Israel is weary. Now, why are they weary? Well, let's get some, we're going to get a little historical context here. We're going to be looking in the book of Luke chapter 2. If you need a Bible this morning, go ahead and raise your hand wherever you are. Our ushers will bring one right to you. Otherwise, get your, get your Bible apps open on your phone, on your, on, your, on your tablet, and let's read this together today. Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. It says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. So church, let's just understand this. 
that Israel is an occupied nation. Israel is an occupied nation. The Roman Empire rules the known world and does so with a very heavy military hand. Now, this is one of those moments where I'm going to make my seventh grade history teacher real proud right now. Because as I was preparing for this, two words popped into my head, and I thought, oh my gosh, did he teach me that all the way back then for this moment today? I don't know, but here it is. This particular time in history is known as Pax Romana, or Roman peace, okay? And this Roman peace lasts approximately from 27 BC to 180 AD, and this is the time that Jesus is born into. But do not be misled by that phrase, Roman peace, because this is not a time of peace as you and I would understand peace. This is a very, very violent peace. See, Roman rule was filled with wars, insurrections, rebellion, and the Pax Romana was just simply a time of comparative tranquility for the reason for the region, but it was established and maintained by nothing less than the sword. Through military might and legal systems that they set up, stability was achieved. But what historians tend to focus on is what uh, the rulers and the conflicts and the events that contributed to the establishing of or the taking of power, but what they don't always focus on are the people that have been conquered. See, they literally are the, they, they suffer as being the, the spoils of war. All who are conquered are made to serve the empire in some form of fashion, whether that's through taxation or even slavery. For them, compliance is peace. And compliance is demanded. Is there any concern for their mental, physical, emotional, spiritual well-being? Absolutely not. So when Augustus Caesar makes a decree for a census, participation is not optional. And we find Joseph and an extremely, very pregnant Mary being forced to journey from Nazareth all the way to Jerusalem. Now, I think in the romanticizing of the story of Jesus, it almost makes it sound like that that's just a walk up to Boeing from here. No, the distance from Nazareth to Bethlehem was 156.7 kilometers. Or here in America, 97 miles. So if you were to drive that, It'd take you an hour and 51 minutes. If you were to take a train, three hours and 14 minutes. If you felt a little springish in your step and you wanted to get on a bicycle, nine hours. But if you are hoofing it, and hopefully I'm praying that Mary was on a donkey, 31 hours. And I can't think of a husband who would agree to thinking it's a great idea to take my extremely pregnant wife on a 31-hour journey on a donkey. And just in case you're wondering, 
What is 97 miles for us? That would be walking from Seattle all the way up to the Canadian border. So you just want to get that idea. They're an occupied people. And this census is not an option. So, so why, was, why was the weary world rejoicing? What, what exactly would make this moment cause them to rejoice? It's because for Israel, prophecy is real. It's not a religion that you adopt. They believe in the living God who has promised to deliver them from their oppression. So consider the words of the prophet Isaiah. These are powerful words in chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. He writes this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And with this promise now fulfilled that causes the weary world to rejoice, we now have a new and glorious morn. Now, while I was raised in California, since I've been in the Northwest, which is now the majority of my life, I have seen sunsets that just stop me in my tracks. It's just beautiful. And it's a stark reminder that God, the creator of heaven and earth, made all of this for us. But that beauty never guarantees that something glorious is coming with it. See, I've, I've had plenty of beautiful sunrises. Mm that carried the weight of something that was going to be really hard and difficult that day. And I know I'm not the only person who's experienced that. So what made this new and glorious morning possible? It is so beautiful and simple, church. It's Jesus. Amen? See, where the Lord is, his glory accompanies him. Wherever the presence of the Lord is, his glory is there as well. And he has made this morning glorious for all mankind. But for us as human beings, we associate mornings with something very significant. It's called night. You know, yes, this is a holy night that Jesus is born on. But for his purpose and for the fulfillment of prophecy, we are giving this contrasting word picture of night for the weary world and mourning that is glorious where we are delivered. Consider the words of David in Psalm chapter 30, verse five. David writes, for his anger is but for a moment and his favor is for a lifetime Weeping may tarry for the night, but hallelujah, joy comes in the morning. See, for us, church, night gives us anticipation for the new morning. See, it's so difficult to appreciate the morning if you haven't had night. 
See, if we just had morning after morning after morning after morning, you'd lose track. You wouldn't know what was, where are, what time is it? You wouldn't know. But with night, with darkness, you know we're waiting for the sun to come. And when the sun comes up, mm, there is hope. But now we're going we're gonna to shift our attention to a phrase in the song that has such a powerful and dramatic moment for all of us. And I want you to know, I struggled with this because the musician in me was like, oh my gosh, this, this, this is one of the biggest parts of the song, but it actually isn't. And that is fall on your knees. Fall on your knees. I want to just do, I want to do a small shift, okay? Because I know that there's a part of the song that we know that this references that most of us are familiar with that has to do with the shepherds and the angels coming to them and the heavenly hosts and they were singing. And, and I, I got to tell you something, church, that, that choir had to be on point. Can you just imagine? So I know that when Jesus comes from me, I have one request. I want a choir that is rehearsed and ready to roll, okay? So Jesus, can you do that for me? Thank you, amen, glory, hallelujah. But I want to focus our attention on the three wise men that we find in Matthew chapter 2. Okay, now, now check this out. These men are from the east, and they come all the way, not to Bethlehem. They go to Jerusalem, and they go find Herod, who is in charge, and they ask him a question. They ask him this, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Now that sounds like a simple question to ask, but you have to understand in that moment, they were asking the guy who's currently ruling the Jews, who's coming to take your place? We're looking for him because he was just born. Not exactly the best lead in, but they were straight. They were straight. They, they told him, here's the deal. This is what we want to know. But this is what's interesting, because this was another one of those parts of Scripture where something lifted up that I didn't know. Because what we understand is that Herod was really upset. He was very concerned about what's going on. But in Matthew chapter 2, it says that all of Jerusalem was upset. They were concerned. It wasn't just Herod. You had a whole city that was concerned about this. I never caught that before. But check this out. So Herod, or Slick Harry as I like to call him, he conjures up a plan, all right? He asks the wise men, okay, when, when exactly did you see the star? And through this conversation, he's able to assess and determine that Bethlehem is the place. So he shoots them off in that direction, and he says to them before they go, hey, guys, when you find the baby... Could you come back and let me know because I want to go worship him as well. Now, when I was growing up, we never called anybody a liar. We used to say, you a lie. Because see, for us growing up, there was no difference between you, the, the speaker of the lie and the lie itself. You were one. You were joined. And Herod was joined to his lie because he had no intention of going to worship Jesus. 
Herod was a big old fat lie. But here is the rest of the story that I want us to check out today. And it's starting in verse 9 in Matthew chapter 2. It says, after listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And then here's the part we're all familiar with. They Opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. So church, let me ask you today, what would cause you to fall on your knees? What would cause you to fall on your knees? I can personally share some moments with you from my story. I remember August 25th. 2000, at about 3.32 in the afternoon, and my oldest son was born, my firstborn, and I remember after going through this whole experience, and I'm holding him, and he is the most beautiful thing I have ever seen. Hold it, let me check that. My bride was the most beautiful thing that I had ever seen (laughs) after what she had just done. But he was so precious. I was holding a life in my hands that I was now given to be responsible for. And if I could have, I would have fallen to my knees. But as a dad, you got other jobs to do at that point. I remember my 50th birthday party. Some of you are here, were a part of that experience. And I remember walking into this big old room and having a whole bunch of folks just yell out, Surprise! And I was blown away. No one could believe that I I, I didn't know that this was coming. But when you walk into a room and there's a room full of people who love you enough to come out for your birthday, it humbles you. And I could have fallen to my knees right then because I felt so loved. But when it's your birthday, you've got other responsibilities because somebody else planned it and you got to do what you got to do. I also remember when my mom passed. And up till July 15, 2008, I'd always had a mama. And the Lord took her home. And then I didn't have a mama anymore. And I remember how broken I felt. And I wanted to just collapse, I wanted to fall to my knees. But once again, it was another moment where the Lord said, no, Damien, I got something else I need you to do. You got a family that you need to take care of, and I mean my entire family. And this brings us, church, back to the theme of today, and that is a thrill of hope. A thrill of hope. Because, church, I believe that hope can bring you to your knees. I truly believe that. See, this song speaks of a thrill of hope. And when was the last time, if you just thought about it, when was the last time you felt a thrill 
a thrill. When was the last time that that thrill was the fulfillment of hope for you? Was it a school that you'd been applying and trying to get into and you applied again and you applied again and you applied again and you applied again and you kind of realized, I don't think I'm getting in. And then you look in your mailbox and there's that letter. And it says you got in. Was it a moment when you were waiting on a health diagnosis and there had been testing and treatments that were talked about and tried and you had heard words along the way of, we're not sure what else we could do, but then you come in and you sit down with the doctor and she says, I have good news for you. Maybe it was you had been waiting on something to happen. And you'd been waiting and you'd been waiting and you'd been waiting. And then you just come to that understanding, this ain't going to happen. Now, church, I just want to share something with you that's just a little visual. YouTube, I don't always understand their algorithms, but sometimes they suggest stuff to you that just don't make any sense because, no, I'm not really interested in it. But YouTube says we think you are. And so I watched this, and I had to admit, I, I was like, okay, this, this is a moment right here. So I want you to just take a look at this, and let's just watch this together. No, we got, gotcha, there we go, all right. And it's okay. I'll just go ahead and tell you real quick what it is. It is a guy and a gal, they're out in an area and she's looking out at something that he's point, she's pointing at and, and he turns around and he drops to his knee and he brings out the ring. She turns around and she sees it and she just collapses. I mean, she just breaks down. And it takes her a moment to collect herself to realize you could tell that all her hope had been gone. This dude was never going to pop the question. <laughs> but he did it and caught her completely off guard. And once she realizes that this is real and it's happening, she launches herself. She's about a good 10 feet from him. She launches herself at him and just hugs him. And they just hold each other. It's a moment. A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices for yonder breaks. A new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angel voices. Oh, night divine. Oh, night when Christ was born. Church we are at a time right now where our world, our weary world, needs hope. They need a new and glorious morn from darkness to light. But let's, let's give them something to hold their gaze because they'll shift their attention from darkness to light for a moment during this during this Christmas season, they'll look towards something else. Their hearts will feel something else, but for a moment. But what if we gave them something that could hold their hearts, hold their gaze? 
Let's give them something that is everlasting and free to all. Let's give them something that gives them a thrill of hope. And that something is a someone, and that someone is Jesus. Amen? Jesus is that hope. Jesus is that hope. Here at North Shore, we are working to see our communities changed through the hope in Jesus one person at a time. And no one else can do that but Jesus. Now, last week, Pat asked a really powerful question for us. He asked, have you ever been in so much physical or emotional pain that you pined for relief from that suffering? Church, we have a world That is pining because they're suffering and they need hope. Church, there's a passage of scripture we're going to take a look at. And I don't know if you will have ever caught this particular scripture. It's in John chapter 1. And John, the apostle, writes this as an account of the life of Jesus. And the beginning of that chapter is something we're all familiar with. It starts out with, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. But we slide down 14 verses later and this is what it says. It says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And I think that's a verse that most of us us have heard. But let's keep reading. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. And here's the scripture, church. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. To my knowledge, that is the only place in scripture that you will find that specific reference. Grace upon grace. So church, we're just going to go ahead and we're going to make this personal right now for us. Because as you hear that phrase, there might be something that begins to register a process of who it is that you are in the eyes of Jesus this morning. You could be sitting there today saying, but Jesus, you could never forgive me for what I did back then when I was, and I want you to know that Jesus is here right now and he's looking at you and he's saying, yes, I can. Yes, I can. You might be here saying, but Lord, remember when I did what I did and I knew fully what I was doing. And Jesus is saying to you today, yep, I knew it. I actually knew it before you did it. And I still love you. You might be in a spot today where you were saying this, but Jesus, if this means I have to forgive that one person, I'll never And I want you to know, Jesus is here to tell you today, yeah, I know, and yeah, you will. But not because you can, but because of me living in you. I'm going to reveal to the world um, and give you hope that you can be and do everything that my Father created you to do. Because church, we live in a world right now 
where the world, it's, it's bled into the church and has taught us to do this. Okay. All right. I tell you what. I'll forgive you this time. You didn't mean it. Or maybe you didn't. You, you, you made a mistake. And you, you asked me to forgive you. And I'll go ahead and do it. Once. Because the world says, yeah, okay. Once is good enough. And that's it. But Jesus, through his fullness of grace and truth, gives us grace upon grace upon grace. But I don't feel like forgiving him. Upon grace upon grace. But you don't know how bad it was what I did. Upon grace upon grace. But Jesus, I meant to be mean and hurtful to that person. Upon grace upon grace. Church, when Jesus came, there was a thrill of hope because now everything was changing. Because he is that hope for you and I. So as we begin to land this today, I want to take us to 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. This is my life verse. And this is something that the Lord laid on me 41 years ago. And it changed the trajectory of my life. It says, my little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But church, catch this phrase, please. But if anyone does sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. And not only for our sins, but for the sins of the entire world. And you might be sitting here this morning saying, Damien, what in the world is propitiation? Let me explain it to you. Propitiation means basically someone standing in your place to receive the consequence that you should have. Because even today, nothing has changed about our God. He is a holy God. He is just and he is righteous and he is without blemish. He is without sin. He cannot have sin around him. He cannot because he is a holy God. But he loved us enough to give us his son who when the consequence of sin should be experienced, he stands before us. And he reminds the Father, no, no, no. They're covered by my blood. And the Lord does not see us. He sees the blood of his Son. Grace upon grace upon grace. Hallelujah upon grace so church I want to invite you to stand with us and we are going to enter in a time of worship today where we're going to now begin to embrace the hope the thrill of hope that's going to give you and I the opportunity to no longer be weary 
And you can now be reminded that you have a hope that you can share with the world. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Would you pray with me? Jesus, oh, we love you. Oh, we need you. Thank you, Jesus, that in this season of Christmas that we pause and we remember you, that we will remember the whole of you. Yes, it began, Lord, with your birth, but it didn't end there. So, Lord, help us to have that thrill of understanding that with your arrival, everything that had been said that you were going to come and do, you did it. You did it. So that we could stand here before you today as recipients of grace upon grace upon grace. You are holy and beautiful and we celebrate you in this place. Thank you for the hope that can only come from you. Thank you, Jesus. And we worship you today in your most holy name. Amen.